Welcome to Advance with MUSE Health. I'm your host, Erin Spain. This show's mission is to help you find ways to preserve and optimize your health and get the care you need to live well. Diseases of the endocrine system may require surgery on the neck or abdomen to access thyroid or adrenal glands. Studies show having a highly experienced endocrine surgeon can help reduce complications during and after surgery. Here at MUSE Health, Dr. Denise Canero-Pla is part of a team of board-certified surgeons who specialize in endocrine surgery. She joins me today to talk about the endocrine system and specifically parathyroid glands and the surgical care she offers patients with parathyroid disease. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Erin. Thank you for inviting me. Well, tell me about your work as an endocrine surgeon and explain the diverse group of endocrine surgeons at MUSC Health. The endocrine surgery here at MUSC is made of two endocrine surgeons, myself and Dr. Bernice Huang, who is my new partner. And we together take care of thyroid and parathyroid disease as well as adrenal diseases. And we have a group of multidisciplinary management of these patients where we have endocrinology, cytopathology, pathology, and radiology that we all work together in delivering care for patients with endocrine surgical diseases. And you specifically have specialized in parathyroid disease and parathyroid surgery. First of all, just tell me about parathyroid glands. Where are they located in the body? And then just tell me a little bit about parathyroid disease and how it's diagnosed. So I have been dedicated in research of parathyroid disease for many years since the beginning of my career. When I was in Brazil, I decided to come to this country to do some research in parathyroid disease. There's a very special place in my heart for parathyroids. So the parathyroids are these little glands that are located behind the thyroid on the neck. So it's right anterior to the windpipe. And these little glands are responsible for your calcium metabolism. It can cause a lot of symptoms when they are abnormal, but also can cause osteoporosis and kidney stones. So patients with parathyroid disease often have also findings in blood work where the calcium is elevated, as well as the parathyroid hormone. And patients with that presentation of high calcium and high PTH often should be surgically evaluated by an endocrine surgeon. Tell me about the different diseases that are involved with the parathyroid glands. So the parathyroids can become tumors, hyperfunctioning tumors that produce too much hormone. Therefore, your calcium will be elevated for several reasons. The primary hyperparathyroidism, which is a disease of the parathyroids on the normal person, they will see their doctor usually have a blood work that shows a high calcium or have symptoms that trigger the doctor to measure the calcium and the parathyroid hormone. The parathyroid disease can also come from a familial disease, which is a different syndrome. There's a multiple endocrine neoplasia, one and two, or isolated familial hyperparathyroidism parathyroidism, which is a little bit of a different disease. Lithium-induced hyperparathyroidism is a different kind of disease of the parathyroids that is also treated differently, as well as patients with renal failure. Patients that are on dialysis have parathyroid disease that is treated in a different way. So all these different conditions can cause hyperparathyroidism. And although we operate in this single group of glands, they have different sources and different etiologies, and they're treated differently. So when patients end up seeing you and they're with you in an exam room, what have they gone through at this point and what are they looking for when they come to see you for a surgery consultation? So most patients that end up 
coming to see us in endocrine surgery, they already had some blood work done with their doctors where the calcium was elevated and usually have a parathyroid hormone also measured called PTH. And if those two numbers are elevated, they end up seeing me. So when the patient comes to see us, we evaluate any symptoms they may have, any findings on bone density, if they have any indications for surgery, which could be symptomatology, usually bone pain, joint pain, memory loss, or difficulty concentrating. They can have kidney stones. They can urinate a lot at night. The patients are usually very tired. So those are the symptoms that indicate surgery. In the lab work, we see the calcium and the PTH level as well as kidney function. And if we have a bone density, we evaluate to see if there's any bone loss associated to this disease. And so we make decisions about this disease being a reason for surgery or not. So one thing that we have, I think is very good about our center, endocrine surgery center here at MUSC, I like to call it one-stop shop. You know, usually the patient comes to me, we do blood work when you come, repeat what you had done, and they usually do an ultrasound on every patient that I see. And on the ultrasound, the majority of the times, about 90% of the times, I can see a parathyroid. And if I localize the parathyroid gland without question, usually that's enough for me to recommend surgery and have you schedule. So at times, this imaging is not as clearly identified, and I don't feel comfortable in, in taking the patient to the operating room with just that. Often we can get the same day a 4-DCT, which is another imaging that we do for localizing parathyroids. And occasionally we need to do another imaging, which is a cystamibi scan, is a nuclear study that helps us to find parathyroids. The reason we go to all this lens to try to localize parathyroids is because the best localization I have, the easier the procedure is, the less dissection I do. And my goal is to always try to treat patients with minimally invasive parathyroidectomy, the minimum amount of dissection to preserve these glands that when they're normal, they are also helping to build your bones. So we need to preserve the parathyroids that are normal and only remove the bad ones. The majority of the times the abnormal glands are only one, maybe two in about 15% of the cases. So this can often be done with a very minimally invasive approach. Are there ever patients who want to take a wait-and-see approach when they find out that, yes, there is a growth on one of the glands and you do recommend surgery? How does that typically work? Are most patients ready for surgery right away? So some patients do not want to, you know, go through with surgery. And if you don't have any, I call it heart indication, your bones are not presenting with osteoporosis, you're not having a high urinary calcium that could cause your kidney stones, and your calcium is not greater than 11.2 or 1 milligram per deciliter above normal range, or your kidney function is not decreased because this makes the kidney function worse, you could wait you know, until you observe, but t it tends not to get better, and eventually you need an operation. So we discuss the risks and benefits of surgery, and if the procedure will be straightforward, and a lot of that comes from imaging, I tend to recommend reconsidering and maybe undergoing surgery. So what steps do patients need to take before surgery? So first, we do all this evaluation we just discussed, and we do the imaging. We discuss extensively the risks and benefits of the surgery, and we, this is the usual preoperative evaluation. We make sure their hearts are okay for general anesthesia. You know, the patients have a couple of medications they cannot take before surgery. If somebody had a previous neck surgery, usually on the ultrasound, I'll look at their vocal cords, which need to be functioning appropriately before the procedure, and I can do usually that in clinic as well. Occasionally, we need to ask a provider colleague that can look at the vocal cords with a scope, but the majority of the times, it's pretty straightforward from the time we see each other until the morning of the surgery. So after surgery, 
how long until patients start to feel better and some of these symptoms start to dissipate? Actually, the results of the surgery are usually noticed pretty quickly. The majority of the patients that have this fogginess that they cannot concentrate, sometimes they tell me it's like a fog was lift in the recovery room and the bone pain also go away immediately. Some patients don't do so well with general anesthesia, so it takes a little longer for them to feel better. But in fatigue and you know, lack of energy resolves a lot in many, many patients right in the first week after surgery. What about after surgery then? Are there certain medications or supplements that patients have to take or do they have ongoing interaction with you? So we do see each other about a week after the surgery and I usually put my patients on calcium. And it depends what kind of surgery you do. That's why it's so important to prepare you appropriately. So here at MUSC, the way I do the surgery and so is my partner, we try to do this a minimally invasive surgery as I mentioned and we measure your parathyroid hormone during the surgery truly intraoperative. A lot of places they measure the PTH, but they look at later, not at the time you're in the OR. So while you're in the operating room, we put an arterial line, which is a little artery that we get on your wrist, and we draw blood during the surgery to measure your parathyroid hormone. The half-life of the PTH is very short, which is about five minutes. So after we took the parathyroid gland that is abnormal, you expect the hormone to drop Pretty quickly after, in about 10 minutes, we make a decision if that is the only gland that is the cause of your high calcium or if we need to go further. So if your surgery is quite minimally invasive and you are one of the 85% of the patients that have only one gland, usually that's pretty straightforward. Calcium, you ta- I ask you to keep you taking for a little while, but it's not a long term. The more aggressive we are, the more glands we remove. Sometimes that requires longer calcium supplementation. It depends how your parathyroid function is after the surgery. Sometimes I will put you on calcium in high dose for quite some time to prevent this from coming back. Why is it important that patients seek out experienced surgeons like you and MUSC Health, which has really the gold standard of care for parathyroid surgery? So parathyroid procedures are very well linked to the experience of the surgeon, the outcomes of those procedures. If you don't do this parathyroid very often, there's plenty data published about this. If you don't do this procedure very often, the chance of you having a failed surgery or having a complication like nerve injury that can change your voice is definitely a lot higher. That's even more significant for thyroid surgery. But parathyroid surgery requires like a combination of skills to try to do these procedures with the least amount of risk and complications. And that's what experienced surgeons like endocrine surgeons have to be able to provide. So it doesn't matter where you live in the country, you should always look for a specialized endocrine surgeon that does a lot of these procedures so you can have a good outcome. The success rate of this procedure in my hands is about 98%, and that's what you should look for, something 98 99% chance of correcting the calcium within six months from that procedure. You are not only a surgeon, you're a physician scientist. You're also studying this disease. Tell me a little bit about your research and what makes you want to learn more about this disease and how to treat it. To me, parathyroid glands are fascinating. There's a fascinating tiny little glands. We cannot live without them. And we also need to have them to do the functions that keeps us calcium norm or bone health, you know, in check and make sure you continue building bones, especially as this group of patients are older women. So this is very important. My passion for 
parathyroid disease became when I was in Brazil after I was trained surgeon there. I did some research, the intraoperative PTH and the dynamics of the hormone, which I actually learned even further when I came to Miami, work with Dr. Irvin. Dr. George Irvin is the father of the intraoperative PTH. His research and he's working with companies to make the PTH faster, he changed single-handed what we do as endocrine surgeons. And I had the pleasure of working with him for 10 years and continue working with him to this day to study this. So by the time I got to Miami, which was about 25 years ago, he was writing a lot about this change in the management of parathyroid and how the, the dynamics of the hormone works during the procedure. And so I had a single opportunity, amazing opportunity of my life to be part of that development of the practice and management of parathyroid disease. So we have written a lot over the years about parathyroid management intraoperatively for primary hyperparathyroidism. And I still learn to this day, you know, I follow my patients forever uh, with blood work for the rest of their lives. I usually see them and bring them back if they have any issues, you know, and, and it teaches me a lot about the surgery and makes me an active researcher in endocrine surgery, especially in the, the realm of parathyroid disease. Is there anything else you want to add that we didn't cover that you think is important to share? I think it's important for patients to understand that at times the parathyroid is overfunction to correct something that is abnormal. Not every elevation of the parathyroid hormone means that they need a surgery. So a very common reason for that is vitamin D deficiency. So patients with low vitamin D will have a high PTH, and this PTH is not abnormal. There's no disease of the parathyroids. They're just doing their job. So when the parathyroid loses the feedback and they start becoming tumors, that's the time when the endocrine surgery comes in. And usually the calcium levels are elevated at that time. So not every elevated PTH actually requires surgical treatment. And sometimes patients hear, especially hearing all these great things that you can feel with a parathyroid surgery, they want to take their parathyroids out. And a parathyroid should only be removed when it's proved to be abnormal. And usually that is associated with high calcium. And there's other conditions that can do that. Kidney dysfunction can do that on its own. And high urinary calcium that can be caused by urinary calcium leak. So all those things need to be worked up and treated first before you go to a procedure. I think this is something that is often misunderstood. And we discuss these things extensively when I see the patients in clinic. What do you do to optimize your health and live well? You know, you got to find time for self-care. And although I could be a lot better at it, I think the self-care and get out and go in the green area and walk, you know, go hike or go to the beach. You know, me and my family, we like to go hunt for shark teeth, fossils. And we love to do that. And that's my, I would say, my self-care moment. And that's what we do for fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your work. And you are so passionate about it. It's easy to tell that this is something that you really thrive by helping these patients. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. For more information on this podcast, check out advance.musehealth.org.